Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week I want to thank Lisa and Teresa. Your generous donation puts this show and its future on a surer footing. Thank you so much. Another way to support the show is by sponsoring it. You'll reach thousands of curious, educated, and engaged people all over the United States and the world. Send us an email at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com or use the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I am joined by Jessica Drucker. She is the host of the Adventure Calls podcast and the author of the book, How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So Jessica, I should point out, had Tiffany and I on her show just a few weeks ago. Um, So if you really want to hear the two of us talking in a very different capacity, you can look up the show under Adventure Calls called The Bittersweet Life in Rome with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. That's us. Check it out. Plus, you made this really beautiful intro to Rome at the beginning of it. Yes. Very impressive. Yes. So yes, I highly encourage you to go seek that out. It was a super fun conversation. But today we're going to talk about your book, which is essentially a guide to moving abroad, both why to do it and the nitty gritty of how to do it from getting a visa to finding a job and all that hard stuff that can feel so daunting. But my first question is, why did you want to write a book like this? Oh, that's a great question because I didn't. (laughs) It's a good question. Yeah, because so a friend of mine came to me and said, hey, surprise, I'm moving to Austria. And I was like, what? you're leaving me, you know? But then of course I got excited right away because like this is my thing, you know? I love talking about this. And so I started talking to her and just like giving her advice that, I mean, she was asking me for advice, but I was giving her a lot of advice that she probably wasn't asking me for. And then I left this coffee with her and I started writing her an email. The email turned into me switching over to my notes app. And then I'm just writing and writing. And then I realized like, this is weird, but I'm giving her a going away ebook that I wrote just for her. Um, and it, and that literally that just turned into the book. Then I thought, okay, I guess I should really take this seriously because like this is happening. I obviously love writing about this. Um, and so yeah, I turned it into a full-fledged book, which is now my baby. So it was an accident that you started doing this, but it just feels to me from reading the book that you have this need to convince people to move abroad. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's overstated, but, but uh, you know, you really, really, truly believe that it's something that people should do. And so I wanted you to tell me more. Like, why do you feel that way? You know, because I think that it's something that feels so far away to people. But I know that personally. So, again, I did intend on writing the book, but I've always been involved in the world of travel. And, you know, I have been a travel writer and a travel blogger and I and I work in destination marketing. And so that has always been my world. But I can't tell you how many people, especially once I moved back home, how many people would either tell me, 
like, oh, you're so lucky that you've done what you've done. And I and I would get defensive about that because, you know, it's not just luck. Like I made it happen. So it wasn't just like a lucky thing. But also these people who, you know, often tell me how much they dream about doing this thing. And for whatever reason, mostly for, you know, I think that the American narrative has a lot to do with it. But People just don't do this thing that they dream of doing. And, you know, we have so much conversation around entrepreneurship. You know, if you have an idea and a business, you should go for it. You know, you should do it. And there's all this funding for it. And it's like this whole world and it's really trending right now. And all of these other Instagram posts telling you to follow your dreams and all this stuff. Yet I hear from so many people that they want to do this thing. And I know it feels so big, but it's also just so possible. And so, yeah, it's just this like need in me to help people who dream of doing it because I can't imagine what it's like to be 80 or 90 years old and have always wished that you did this thing when it's totally there for you to do it. Well, one of the ways that you write the opening words of your introduction are this. I'm just going to read it to you. So you think you want to move abroad. Can I tell you a secret? You're not crazy. You might feel crazy and people might act like you're crazy, but you're not. Why do people feel crazy with this desire? I think it feels so far away. I think some people think it feels irresponsible. I think people consider this like, oh, I want to be on vacation forever. And that's crazy. And that's not a real thing that you can do. Sometimes people think you need millions of dollars to do this. I asked on Instagram, how much money would it take for you to follow this dream? And people gave me very specific numbers like $6 million and $5 million. You know, I think people just think it's so far away from them and so it feels really crazy or it feels like something only the rich and famous get to do yeah one of the things you also say is that basically the book what you're hoping to do is that to move it from the realm of wouldn't it be nice to go do this thing into the realm of I'm actually planning to do a thing that's in my imminent future yeah absolutely and the other thing I try to do with these conversations is Instead of thinking about what if it doesn't work? What if it all goes pear-shaped? What if nothing works out? Just think about like, well, what if it does work out? You know, and actually, I think that Tiffany's a great example of that because look at her. She has her baby and her husband and she never would have had those things had she not done this thing. I think that's a great example of like, what if it does all work out for you? Yeah, that's true. So when you go back to that money question where everyone's saying, well, if I have six million dollars, then I will move to France. (laughs) I mean, but it does beg the question of how much does privilege come into play when you're talking about being able to move away from your country to another country? That is an excellent question. There is definitely privilege in this conversation and one to acknowledge, you know, right off the bat. So yes, thank you for bringing it up. I mean, I think there's the question of what is an expat versus what is an immigrant, for example. Those are real questions. You know, on the one hand, I will say in terms of expat versus immigrant, there is with an immigrant more of an idea of permanence. You're moving to a place to build a life, whereas an expat is moving usually for a temporary amount of time. But yes, it does take some funds to make your move. However, there are opportunities for you to do this, at least to get started without spending a lot of money. For example, you know, the Peace Corps is a well-known example, and there are other opportunities to do it with much less money. I will say that I have done this as a very poor person in my younger years, and it's, it is totally possible to do. I think some of the privilege is around knowing people who have done it. You know, I think there are people in a middle class or an upper middle class setting who just know a lot more people personally who have done it. 
versus people who come from a lower income background might not know a lot of people who have, for example, moved to Rome for a year. It just seems like very far away. But there are opportunities to do it really at any income level. And it's just about sort of getting the word out about those opportunities, I think. I love this other term that you came up. Well, I don't know if you came up with it, but you talk about in the book is that part of the process of taking this from a dream into a reality is figuring out what your expatibility is. What do you mean by that? I don't know if I made it up. I did start seeing other people using it, but I thought I made it up at the time when (laughs) writing. But, you know, you have to really understand how much of a go-with-the-flow kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person who can hang in situations that are very foreign to you, or do you need a place? You can still move abroad even if you are very particular and you like to have things your way. You can definitely move abroad. You just need to understand how comfortable are you going to be in a very foreign setting. So, for example, if you get really really nervous around things that are unfamiliar or if you're very nervous about not speaking the language for example moving to a place like Japan where you can't hang on to there are no letters that look familiar and the people don't do anything that seems familiar to you you know maybe that's not the place that you should move at least for the first time and that's why a lot of people feel really comfortable like from the U.S. it just seems like going to Canada or the U.K. might be easier your expatibility really does come into play because Every single day is you have 90% of the time you don't know what's going on most of the time when you live abroad. So you need to be comfortable. Yeah, I mean, even in even in some European countries where you'll think, well, I've read more about European history. If I'm an American, I've read more European history in my life. So I probably will understand it more. That's not necessarily the case. No. And one of the big things to know before you move abroad is that you don't know anything. And I think going, you know, going into it, it's like, just know that everything you know is coming from a lens of being American and learning it through an American filter. So just being open to being like, well, I guess that's how it's done. Like you can't fight it. You just have to take it all in like a sponge. And that's another thing you point out in the book is that the book, while there are many things in it that apply to a lot of people, and we have a worldwide audience, it is primarily for Americans. Why did you decide to do that? That's a good question. Because so As an American, I've had a lot of experiences abroad that are specifically American experiences because of two main things, health insurance and taxes. And there's just no way around the fact that if you are American, regardless of where you are on planet Earth, the IRS has to know about it. And these are issues that other people just don't have. I think I write in the book this way, but it's like, it's spring, the flowers are blooming, all of your fellow expat friends are just enjoying the spring in the country they're living in, and you're worried about your taxes. (laughs) Being American sometimes, you know, is a real challenge. And then also things like health insurance. I I talk to an American audience most specifically because I think that's the factor that scares the Americans the most about moving abroad. Like, what will I do for health insurance? Whereas other people don't even really consider that. They just deal with what there is in the country that they're moving to. So that's why I chose to talk primarily to Americans. Hmm, That's interesting. Well, since one of the goals of the book is to demystify the process, like the big questions like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do my taxes? And, And what if I have a medical problem? You don't have to do those too, but how about giving us an example, like give us a hurdle that really blocks people and then give us some tips of how you would handle that. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, just take health insurance, for example, because for me, this is the one I get the question, the most questions about. But so, for example, if you're moving to a country that doesn't necessarily have a great health care system, you just have to learn about, OK, so wh- what does a foreigner do in that country? Do I buy private health insurance? Can I get on the public system? Does the visa that I have allow me to be on their public health system or do I have to buy private? It's really that simple. There is nowhere on planet Earth as confusing as the United States. So one thing you can start to do is let go of your fear because you you can just buy private health insurance and be covered. Uh, For example, when I lived in Germany, I paid about $250 a month for my health insurance, but then everything was covered. Ambulances, broken bones, what, you know, hospitalization, whatever, it's all covered by that private health insurance. So that's one thing. And I also think that the language is another factor that scares people quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, just to use the German example again, I did not speak a word of German when I moved. You just have to accept the fact that you don't know what's going on, accept the fact that you're going to be a baby, and then read everything you possibly can at all times because you won't be comfortable speaking yet. But I read everything. I read baby books at the bookstore. I read shampoo bottles. I read the newspaper and just looked for all the weird letters that weren't like my own, like all the umlauts and the sets and things. And I just thought, like, how are these used? I just try and grab onto everything you can and try and act like a language detective as you go. So I have a whole chapter in the book about how to learn any language. But being a language detective really helps you get over those hurdles. But just accepting the fact that you will make a mistake every time you open your mouth but it's okay to do that yes when i was in italy for the year in italy and i was looking at four-year-olds and they're just chattering up a storm and i i have no idea i'm sure they're just asking for normal things a four-year-old would ask for (laughs) sitting there thinking wow these kids are such geniuses (laughs) and 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 then i looked over at the dog you know, who was sitting on the playground also and thought, that dog has no idea what's going on. Because, you know, you always, you always assume. I'm like, even that dog understands more Italian than I do right now. Actually, technically, it's probably <laughs> totally true. Yes, they have all their commands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tiffany joins me now. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Katie. We're stepping away for a moment from our conversation with Jessica to ask you a question. Have you always wanted to learn a new language or perhaps brush up on a language that you're losing? Or maybe you want to transform your career, but you need to be able to have a conversation in German to be able to get your dream career. Well, we have an idea for you. Right now, you can achieve your goal of learning a language in three months of intensive language learning with Lingoda. Lingoda is the number one trusted European language school with very affordable prices. They have small group classes with a maximum of five students and you'll be learning from native speaking teachers. The classes are small, they're online, they're available 24-7, and they have proven methods and expert design curriculums that will deliver you some real results. And the best thing right now, if you sign up, you have a chance to get up to 100% cash back when you attend all your classes. Wait a second. So you get money back for taking your classes? Right. So right now, they are offering a special sprint. They call it a sprint. It's supposed to be incentive so that you stop putting off learning the language you've always wanted to learn and you commit to doing it. So if you sign up for a super sprint, for example, 
You're promising that you will attend 30 classes a month for three months. 30 classes a month. And if you do that, you will get 100% of your money back. Wow. If you sign up for a sprint, so let's say the super sprint sounds like a little bit too much of a commitment to go every day for three months. You can also sign up for a sprint, which means you attend 15 classes a month for three months. And if you do that, you get 50% cash back. So it's really incentive to just do it, <laughs> you know, not just fall off the horse again, but actually do it. See, this is perfect for people like me. I'm the type of person who if I signed up for this course, by God, I would do it every day. I'm all in. I would make it happen. I don't know about you, Katie. It would certainly be incentive for sure, because I'm a little bit of a penny pincher. <laughs> so <laughs> if I can save money, I like to. But truth is that even if you didn't end up attending all of your classes, the classes are really affordable. They're only about 10 euros a class to be in a really small group. I mean, Tiffany, you attended a class. I did. What was it like? Oh, it was, uh, it was great fun. It was a little bit nerve wracking because, you know, you have to talk. The teacher asks you questions, but it was totally fun. And you know, you're in the same boat as everyone else. Everyone else is pretty much at your level because whatever level you test into, whether you're a beginner or then, of course, you don't have to take a placement test. If you've studied this language already, you test into wherever your level is. So you're all in the same boat. I hadn't studied French in a long time. And so I felt like I was put on the spot a little bit, but that's good. That's the kind of push that you need. And I think some language courses, especially if it's just something you're following online without an actual physical teacher there, I think that you can kind of get away with maybe not pushing yourself in that way. Well, I know that you can because I did a program in the early days when I was living in Rome where it was just an online program and I got to where I could write out Italian words pretty well and I could fill in the right one in the sentence. But when I would speak it, the computer would be like, what, what was that? Because <laughs> I wasn't practicing enough. My pronunciation of it was very unsteady. Yeah. And you didn't have a human there to sort of like work with you on it. Yeah, to even hear how it sounds. Yeah. If this sounds interesting to you, the sprint is starting on April 28th, 2021. So that's right around the corner. And you need to sign up by April 16th. And hurry up also because spaces are limited. Now, as one final incentive, you also have to put a deposit down, which by the way, you will get back if you attend all of your classes. It's a $59 deposit, but you'll get a discount about $12 off if you use our code bittersweet when you sign up. I know you're going to attend all your classes, but just in case you don't, use our code bittersweet. Yeah, at least you'll save 12 bucks. <laughs> right, exactly. So sign up and have as much fun as Tiffany did in her class, and you may even learn a language by three months from now. Right now, they're offering English, German, French, Spanish, or business English. Yeah, maybe by the time the borders open up and you can come back to Europe, you'll be able to speak a language. Wouldn't that be nice? You'll find a link for more information or to sign up in our show notes. Well, let's go a little personal, though. What is your expat background? You named Germany, of course, but it's much wider than that. It is, yeah. Um, I did a study abroad semester in Costa Rica in college. I was studying to be a Spanish teacher at the time. And when I was in Costa Rica, it 
blew my mind that this whole world was happening and I had never even thought about it before and there I was living in this totally other place and so I actually called my parents and told them that I was going to take a semester off of college and stay there and they were not happy about that at all but I did it. I stayed for an extra semester and while I was there I had a Spanish teacher from Guatemala who said well if you're going to be here during Easter you should go to Guatemala for Semana Santa because it, they are the most beautiful processions that you'll see in all of Latin America. So, of course, I had to do that. I got to Guatemala, uh, you know, which was just supposed to be vacation. And there were like, you know, short Guatemalan ladies in their traditional clothing and also eight foot tall Swedish backpackers who were all living in this like Spanish colonial town surrounded by three volcanoes, one of which is erupting at all times called Fuego. And I was like, oh, I have to live here now. This is where I have to live. And so I did. I, I went back and graduated from college and then I moved to Guatemala. I was there two years then I moved to Germany for three years I moved to England for four years and then I was one of those nomadic blogger types and I traveled the world for four years after that does it get to a point where you feel like you cannot go home ha I did I went home you did go home but I mean in the midst of it all you know when you're you're in Guatemala and you're deciding you're going to go to Germany rather than return to the United States. Yes, it's very hard because especially at the age I went, I will say I was so impressionable. The world was opening up to me just generally speaking at 22, 23 years old. And then first I'm, you know, I'm living in Guatemala. I'm 21, 22. It is the, and I date myself obviously, but it's the year of September 11th. So I had just moved to Guatemala. September 11th happens. And by the time I go home in December to visit, Americans are different to me now because I, I wasn't there. I mean, I know the whole world experienced it, but like things were happening here that were very different. And so I'm already now I'm different to people here. I just didn't perceive it in the same way. I didn't experience it collectively with, with them. I experienced it with Guatemalans and Europeans, really, for the most part. Every time something like that happens in the U.S. and you're not there, you get further and further away from like this American identity. And also, you know, being outside of the States, you get all of these impressions of the U.S. that you don't have when you're here. You know, it's really hard to be super pro-American when all you have are Europeans breathing down your neck every day about stuff. So, you know, you really <laughs> see it from like the outside. So your whole identity is different. That is a huge part. You know, your idea of what being an American is and then trying to like fit back in here. It's super tough. Plus, sometimes things just feel a little bit easier and I was really scared of paying taxes and like really paying taxes and living in the U.S. That was always very scary to me. I think that the IRS and healthcare were honestly things that kept me from moving <laughs> home for a long time. Yeah, they're going to be asking you, well, where, where is all that money that you would have made in your 20s? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know what? I mean, to be really honest, I actually didn't know I was supposed to be paying my Social Security. I always filed my IRS or sorry, I always filed my taxes. But I didn't know I was supposed to pay Social Security. So I actually came home and was very honest about it with the IRS. But I ended up paying um, several thousand dollars back <laughs> to the IRS because of that. Yeah, it's it's tricky. There is no escape. It's true. Yeah, I love that you have this kind of repeating notion, actually, in your personal story and throughout the book that is this idea of being in a place where you're like, there's so much happening here. I have that same feeling in a different way when I travel to other countries. I tend to think of it more like... Let's say I'm on a bus going in from the airport to downtown Hanoi or something. And there's people walking along the side of the road. And I think these people would have been walking along the side of this road, whether or not I was actually here to see them. And I am here to see them. It's a similar but slightly different way of 
of thinking about it. But it's also that, that richness of thinking, like, what will I miss if I go back to my home in Illinois, right? Yeah, totally. And But I think about that all the time because, yes, on vacation always, it's the same thing for me. But the way I thought about it, you know, especially when I was in places that felt so different. So for some reason, Germany just felt like home. I can't explain why. And I knew nothing about it. I, and I was in East Germany, which I didn't know anything about what communism was. I was so dumb when it came to that stuff when I moved. I mean, I didn't even know what had been going on there before I moved there. But especially in Guatemala, there was just something about this place where I just felt like not only is this always going on and I'm not there, like this volcano is always erupting no matter what. But I just wanted to be a part of it for some reason so much. I just thought like I want to be walking down the street when when the next backpacker gets off the bus. That's how I always, I would see backpackers and be like, oh, fresh off the boat. I've been here for this long. You know, I always felt that way. But like, I wanted to be the one who was in the scene, I guess, in the painting. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Well, it sounds beautiful. But another thing that you talk about in the book is always about uh, how it's not always easy. It, it can be that you go and you fulfill your dream. And sometimes, of course, as we've learned just talking to you now, fulfilling that dream takes a lot of paperwork and research, which may be daunting in itself. But even when you get there, it could end up being a lot harder than you even imagined that it would be. Is there a, a good personal story from your experience? <laughs> Which one and how much time do you have? Yeah, sure. Uh, the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I got lot. I have lots of them. <laughs> I can share any number. I actually refer to myself on, on my podcast as a walking worst case scenario because <laughs> I basically had everything happen to me. So, but, you know, I just want to say like, yes, it is not the dream doesn't mean that it's always easy. In fact, I would say that you're actually choosing a much harder life all the time when you live abroad because not knowing what the hell's going on around you at all times is very hard. Not speaking the language is very hard. All the paperwork's very hard. And then I think being vulnerable in unfamiliar settings is also very scary. And I could share any number of stories. One thing that happened a lot in Central America is you get lots of bugs. You know, you have lots of stomach bugs and you're very sick for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even the worst story that I can tell you, I suppose, is the story of me being rammed by a cow, which I won't tell you in great detail because you can listen to it um, on my show because I decided that working it out through audio was a healthy <laughs> way for me to have therapy for myself. Yes. But yeah, I was in India and I had an injury already that I just wasn't dealing with because I was traveling so much. And I was on a very small beach road where there's like stores and tourist shops and pizza places and all these things on both sides. It's very cramped. There's lots of people. I was like limping on the side of the road and a cow, I didn't know because you know there's cows in India everywhere on the streets, no matter if you're going 60 miles an hour on a highway or <laughs> just you know eating at a restaurant, there's gonna be a cow outside. But two cows had been sparring behind me and I didn't know that because I was like full of self-pity, like limping because of my prior injury. And uh, in order to escape, the one cow came from behind, rammed me in the back of my hamstrings, uh, tossed me up three feet in the air. I crashed down on the ground. I think the cow is going to trample me, but it just sort of saunters off into the sunset like no big deal. I just tossed to this person. <laughs> and that was a real life-changing moment for me, actually. But at the time, I just started going like, Ah, ah, ah. And I was just this crazy foreigner screaming on the side of the street. And I went to three different hospitals because one was closed 
One was open, but just, just terrible. It was a very local hospital. I describe in, in this show that I did, you know, there's like, like a bucket of bloody water hanging from the bench I'm sitting on and I'm in so much pain so I want to like keep moving to adjust so I I thought that I kind of like honestly broke my pelvis and so I, I was in so much pain and I want to like fidget and move and I can't because I think there's this bloody water is gonna spill I mean it was terrible and then they brought me to a hospital about 25 minutes away And it was the nicest hospital I've ever been to in my life. And I wanted to live there forever. You know, it it felt so good to be there. So, you know, it was very scary. And at the end of it, you know, just for the health insurance question there, at the end of it, the whole experience cost me $9.50. Wow. And was your pelvis shattered? (laughs) Not at all, man. I didn't have a broken bone at all. I had tons of cuts and bruises. I didn't know for three days that my legs had actually swollen together from the cow horns. Mm. I didn't even know because I was in so much pain. But so they still don't really know exactly what it was. They called it a tear or a muscle contusion or something. But I was basically just like bedridden for a couple of weeks. But I do like to say just, you know, for the happy ending of this, that that was actually like this spiritual and actual kick in the ass that I needed. I started doing things like yoga and meditating because it was really all I could do I couldn't like work out I started putting my body back together that like helped me get my mind right and honestly that moment of being rammed by a cow completely changed my life I do recommend going to her podcast and listening to the full story of this event <laughs> plus you also scored it with great music and sound Thank you. <laughs> so it makes it as as if you're actually there uh, that reminds me of a time when I was traveling in a small town in Mexico and I got heat stroke and the clinic I went to, uh, I kid you not, it was so cute. If I had been feeling better, it would have been very cute. My attending nurse, I guess, the person that came in to just, I don't know, make sure I was ready for the doctor to come see me, was probably an eight-year-old child who was the doctor's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I didn't really speak much workable Spanish, and so it was a big mess. So I don't actually know exactly what he did. He shot something into my butt. And later on, when I wasn't really feeling much better, I finally found a friend who actually knew a retired doctor who lived in the next house over. So, oh. And so I went and talked to him. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, sometimes at these small clinics, they're just practicing. And I'm like, well, what do you think they gave me a shot of? And he said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it's not harmful. <laughs> you know, a big learning experience. Two questions arose when you were telling that story that I think is another thing that people fear, especially if they're kind of in, um, you know, their 20s to their 50s, maybe, and single, let's say. What factor does loneliness play in this decision to take yourself away from your normal environment, your friends and family? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was recently on an Instagram Live with someone who called me an old G. Mm. And it made me feel old because (laughs) she was saying how I had done this all before Google. And you know what? I did do a lot of this before there was the Google. And that made me feel old. But I, I bring that up because honestly, with the internet and like Instagram and Facebook groups and ways that you can connect with people, it's different, I think, than it used to be in that, yes, I mean, you can feel really lonely. In an episode coming out soon, I described in Germany when I spoke no German, I felt like I was 
behind glass. I'm watching this world happen, but I can't participate in it myself. And until you speak the language, until you understand the culture, until you have like cultural context, yeah, it's it's really, really lonely. But I will say that, you know, especially with all the ways that you can connect with people, you can know things that are going on in the town that you're in. You can, there's a lot of expat groups everywhere. So even though I don't recommend like being a part of the expat bubble, meaning like just having friends who are expats, it's really helpful at first. And you have the most in common with them. You know, even you, you'd be surprised how much you have in common with someone from another English speaking country, even if it's South Africa or around the world somewhere very far, because you are bonded by language in a foreign place. And you just all of a sudden have so much in common with that person or those people. Loneliness is very real, but there are so many ways to connect with people. And now, I mean, through the pandemic, we know we're FaceTiming with our family members who live in another town nearby. We can't even see them. So it's basically the same. And I do wonder how much that will change the feeling of loneliness because, you know, what's the difference if I'm here and they're two towns over or I'm, you know, in Rome. So I think that with FaceTime and everything, you can really connect with people. But no, it can feel lonely because no one from home is experiencing this new world. And like people only want to hear about it for like five minutes, you know, yeah. like they don't really want to hear about your experience. They want to want to, but they can only take so much before they're like, yeah, anyway. And so then Susie came over with the dog, you know, and it goes right back to, you know, their home stuff. And that's fine. But so you do feel like disconnected. You're not quite here, not quite there. And to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever not felt that way since the first time I moved abroad. I've always now feel like in between two worlds. Well, that's the other danger, I guess. I mean, that's what a lot of this show has been about is how you gain so much, but then you do displace yourself to a certain degree. But the other question that occurred to me, and I think another fear when it comes to single people who would like to be in a relationship is exactly that thing about... If I move to Germany and I'm behind the glass, what does that mean for a romantic possibility? What was your experience? Well, first of all, <laughs> my experience is that I met a, actually, I met a German living when I was living in Guatemala. So we had the expat thing together. And then we moved to Germany together, actually, and then broke up because you break up. You know, I was 24 years old, 25 years old. And the thing is, is there are both advantages and disadvantages to being an expat because your accent is very attractive. Your way of being is very attractive. There are things about you that make you very attractive to people in a foreign country. So it does kind of up your game. Like even if you don't have game, just being a foreigner, it helps. So there's pros and cons to that. But sometimes it's really hard because you, at first, the initial attraction can definitely be there. But then like there's a lot of problems around like intercultural communication and relationships that can be very confusing, especially things like having arguments in another language or your own. There's like an inherent power struggle there between like what language you're speaking and uh, how right you can be. And so, yeah, dating is definitely uh, a huge challenge, along with weird things like meeting someone's parents or grandparents who are from another world is very difficult, you know, and so it's tough. I also think just like not really, you know, Americans have a really different way of connecting. We're very, very friendly up front. Take Germans, for example, you will feel like they are not very friendly to you. It just takes a while for them to warm to you. But, you know, you can misread those signals a lot. I mean, I could say like 
read a book about intercultural communication. Sure, but like, you know, that's what is so important about having a good circle of friends who are expats who are going through the same thing you're going through because they can really like open your eyes to what it's like to date. But dating in another country is, yeah, a massive challenge for sure. Yeah, interesting. So you said that this book includes what you would say is the still the most embarrassing moment of your life. Yes. Do you want to tell yeah. us what that moment is? I I don't. Uh, no, I do. I do. Um, no, I do. It is very, very embarrassing to me. I'm recording right now about this story for the podcast. So it's very embarrassing. Uh, you know, I was talking about being a language detective. And so I moved to Germany. I speak no German. At first, I'm really cautious about that. I'm, I, you know, I, I can't like ask everyone all the time what things mean. So I put things together on my own. And uh, very long story short for your audience. I love to go to the movies anywhere, abroad, traveling, living, whatever. I love to go to the movies because you're both like totally immersed in the culture and it's a super low pressure situation of being in the dark eating popcorn, right? So like yeah. it's the best of both worlds for me. And in Germany, I am being a language detective, go to the movies. I see that popcorn is called popcorn. So I think, okay, so the word for popcorn is popcorn. So I'm at my girlfriend's grandmother's house and she's roasting kernels in a pan and I've never seen someone do something so wholesome you know like roast kernels in a pan like we don't do that in America like we have cheese whiz you know and so <laughs> I, I see it and I just want to ask her I don't even want to ask her I'm just like making like a stupid joke to say like do these pop uh, and I say to her grandma poppensy and the thing is in German pop popcorn is popcorn but poppen <laughs> it means the f word the full on, not like to make love to somebody. It means <laughs> to F. And so I asked a 70-year-old woman in her own kitchen, do you F? That's, that's what I did. It's what I did. And I didn't know that's what I did. And she looked at me like, I mean, the, I say it, but like the blood ran out of her face. She turned white. And then she just turned bright red. And I was just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> what happened? What did I do? Yeah. My girlfriend looks at me like, who are you? Are you an alien? I have never known you. You are a horrible person. And then I see it in her eyes. Like, I see it click. And then she laughed so hard. And she explained to her grandma what I really meant. Mm -hmm. And then her grandma was, like, kind of embarrassed. So she just, you know, brushes it off and says, oh, Jesse. And then she just goes back to doing what she was doing. Meanwhile, I want to disappear. I, I never want to see these people again. I'm leaving Germany forever. But, you know. <laughs> You're breaking up with that girlfriend right, right now. Right now. As you the <laughs> Everyone was actually really sweet about it in the end. But, yes, it was, it was so embarrassing. I think about it now. They don't think about it ever. But it was so <laughs> embarrassing to me at the time. I love that. Well, there's just so much in this book. We do not have enough time for how many different things you get into and how nitty gritty and how many things you tell people to like write about and think about and research, which is what makes it a great guide. To end, if there's one more practical tip to overcome a hurdle or to inspire somebody who's thinking about making this jump when COVID is over... What would you want to say? So I would say this. First of all, you don't have to wait till COVID's over. I know a lot of people that are moving abroad right now. That's true. But here's the deal. You find people who have done what you're doing who are similar to you. And you can do that through Facebook groups. Normally, Facebook groups can devolve into a lot of negativity because people go there to sort of complain about things. It's like where people go to do that. But when you are initially dreaming about moving to, say, Portugal, I was talking to someone this morning. These are two, like, 60-year-old lesbian women. 
women and they want to move to Portugal. And there's a group for women over 50 moving to Portugal. That's a Facebook group. So you will be surrounded by people exactly in your niche. There are Facebook groups for, for so many different types of people moving to every single country out there. Get in there and ask to talk to someone over FaceTime, over Skype and hear their story because when you just know one person who's done it, it really, that shifts it to you, for you from a, a dream or something that other people do to a reality. It gives you lots of things to think about, mistakes that they already made. And so, yeah, I would say go into Facebook groups and try and connect with people who have already done what you're doing. And then you realize like, okay, this is real. Either I really want to do this or I'm just dreaming about it. It can go the opposite way, right? Where you can feel like, you get in on the research and you think, I don't really want to go through all this. That's absolutely right. I mean, you know what? Like a lot of people just, they have this dream of it and and the dream is what fuels them and that's enough, you know? But then I think for other people, it's like, I just don't want you to live with regret because it's totally possible. You just have to find people who have done what you're doing and figure it out. Well, the book is called How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do. Is there any great way for people to find it? You go to Amazon.com and you type in that title, How to Move Abroad and Why It's the Best Thing You'll Do. All right. So go to Amazon, find that title, and also be sure to check out the Adventure Calls podcast. Not only to hear the cow story, but to hear the in detail the upcoming embarrassment story. Great. Yes. And yours truly with Tiffany in a pretty funny, wide-ranging conversation. That's right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Please share the show. Tell your friends and family about this great discovery that you've made. And if you own a business, consider sponsoring the show. Sponsoring is a great way to reach an educated and diverse group of wonderful people living all over the United States and the world. Send us a note at bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. That's bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or visit the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net.